Good evening. We're starting a new chapter with Perak Bez, second chapter, <coughs> which is Zahiris, which is vigilance. So we had, had this unbelievable introduction. We talked about man's mission in this world, which is to become close to Hashem, which is to strive to come close to Hashem. And really, actually, I was um, teaching, I don't know why, just, I was teaching the 12th grade girls. I don't have to need to pick up on this. I only teach them once a week. But I happen to be teaching them Christianity right now. Jewish history, why I teach them Christianity? Because, you know, early Christianity is certainly Judaism. Uh, well, Judaism, but they're certainly Jewish. And certainly what happens with that group would affect much of Jewish history. So one of the things that we discussed uh, yesterday is one of, the, one of the things that the Christians did. The early Christians, Paul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, was he took the mitzvahs and... He made them allegorical. But Philo had already done that. And one of the ways he said, well, we don't have to really keep kosher. Even though the Bible says this, it means we have to be spiritual. And that's in the place of kosher. Maybe we'll take all of the, the uh, motifs of Judaism and leave all the laws aside. So we got into a whole discussion about what mitzvahs are or are not. One of the girls asked me, well, what's the bottom line? Are mitzvahs there to connect to God? Or are mitzvahs there because God says to do this and uh, to do this? So in, I referenced them a few times and we discussed at length a different work of the Ramchal of Ramosh Lutzato called Derech Hashem, the way of God, where he discusses this and many, many other things. But suffice it to say that we keep mitzvahs, we do mitzvahs to connect to God. Right? They're, they're obligatory and they're the, way, they're the pathways to it as we discussed a couple weeks ago. But ultimately, it's there to connect us to God. This is how our work started. So now the question is how to get there. So we're on the beginning of Perak Beis. Hine'ina zihiris. Zihiris, which literally means vigilance. Watchfulness. That a person should exercise great care in all their actions and affairs. Kloimar, what does it mean to have zihiris? That is, your person is supposed to contemplate and monitor his actions and ways in life. Are they good or not? A person is supposed to look over. If you have a, a company, you got to look over. You got to look over your company. Right? Otherwise, you'll make terrible mistakes. You'll make bad investments, or maybe you could be doing better. How does a company do better? Right? How do they, they have board meetings and they have audits and they have analysis. So why do they do this? They do this in order to get a better product, in order to be better, more well managed, in order to do things better. If you want, if you want to be a better Jew, a more conscientious Jew, so the way to get there is by looking over how are we doing. You know, there was a, a famous mayor of New York, Ed Koch. Anyone ever hear of Ed Koch? Ed Koch, you know Ed Koch? You know Ed Koch? The 80s? He was there in the late 70s and the 80s, yes. Uh, for, quite, for many years he was the mayor of New York. So Ed Koch was a Jewish, a real Jewish New Yorker. They don't make these types anymore. Yeah, they, those were like, they, they, in the old days, but Ed Koch used to always have a line. He'd ask people on the street, how am I doing? Mm. That was his line, how am I doing? Right? How am I doing? So it's a, it's a, in, why was he asked? Well, part became part of a shtick, but also it's self-analysis. Like, 
if everyone's saying you're doing poorly, well, perhaps they got to do it. And really, we need to ask ourselves, how am I doing? Right? How's life? I, you know, I always say, there's a few triggers that I always, I always say. The person's sad, the person's angry, the person's put depressed with that, the person's lazy, you know you're not doing well. If, you, right, if a person's careless, you can't be doing a good job. Right? So all of these things will tell a person how to do it. But even when you, you are in a good mood, I know plenty of uh, well-meaning people, well-meaning, who could do terrible things. <laughs> I know somebody, Billy Guzma, was on a crazy diet, and they permanently damaged their body. Now, they meant well. They, they meant well, but they damaged themselves. I know parents who destroy their children, and they mean well. They, so you could, you could mean well. It's not meaning well and doing well are two different things. Right? Meaning well and doing well are two very, very different things. A person could want to do something in, in marriage, and it could be very hurtful. Right? A person could uh, invest themselves in a lifestyle, which is wrong. And they had good, noble intentions, the best intentions. So a person has to be able to analyze, you know, and obviously with someone like Avraham, you think about it. We just learned about Avraham. Avraham was lech lechal, ma'artzachal, ma'ladzachal, and basically he left all of his surroundings, his nature and nurture to do what's right. We are so blinded by our nature and our nurture. We, it's very hard to escape that. Right? We're, we're immersed in, a, in, a, in an American culture, say in California, the California culture, certain people have certain very strong fami- familial, you know, realities. So, parenting—it's—it's it's almost, you know, what you see your parents do, you do. Right? You know, uh, <laughs> when people talk about like a Moroccan or uh, an American or uh, Israeli, I mean, the, the culture affects. Who you are, and certain parents are nervous parents, and their kids become nervous parents. Certain pa- parents are, are, are carefree, and their kids may be carefree. Right? That's not because they chose to be that way. That's how they were brought up. Very hard to leave that. Right? Very, very difficult to leave your framework. Well, what if it's not the best framework? Right? Or what if it's good for somebody and not good for other people? Not every, not every path is good. So, what does he actually say? Look what he look what he says over here. Misbainen umefakayach al ma'isa. Look over your your deeds and your paths, and that's as follows. Everybody has certain paths in life. We make general mind frames of decisions what we're going to be like in this world. And you pick a path in life. Right? You pick a path in life, right? and you invest in a path in life. Well, what if that path is off? Right? There are paths in life which are illegitimate, right? And maybe society tells you, okay, but this Torah certainly doesn't say it's okay, right? Well, what about that? What if that path is not okay? And what about if the path is not okay for you in particular? You know, objective paths are easier to, to, to flesh out. But personal paths in life, let me give you an example. A person says they want to be a business person. Some people are able to be honest in business, able to be calm in business. Some people can't do business. They, 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 they'll end up being dishonest or they're not calm or they're not good salespeople and because of that they, they, they're forced to do things that they should not be doing. Right? you got to pick a path that works for you. Right? 
uh, having, uh, you know, I would, I would contend, and I'm not getting into halakha over here. Obviously, halakha would say large families, and the larger the better, the merrier. It's, you bring more opportunity to, in, into this world. Uh, but if you choose that path, you better be able to handle that path, right? You know, a large family comes with uh, lots of obligations. Uh, it doesn't, it's not just, you know, spoiling babies. <laughs> it's changing their diapers at 4 a.m. in the morning, and then when they're 20 years old, dealing with their other issues, right? It, it, they're teenagers. They don't stay babies forever. And you got to pay for them. you got to be able to, 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 to multitask. You know what? Some people can't handle such large things. It's actually counterproductive for them. So, again, I'm not dealing with halakha right now. You know, you know, some people, it's great to be a teacher or a rabbi, but some people, that path in life, it's just not for them. You know, they got to know that. Is that their path? Is that what they want to be doing? So we need to know our path. Right? Some people, I'll give you, you know, going back to, to, to nature and nurture, some people, and unfortunately today many women, since this is a women's class, I'll pick on the women tonight, and not on the men. I can do the same with the men. Many women today feel like they need to work. I remember when I was in law school. So, of course, the University of Pennsylvania is an Ivy League liberal law school. It has to be exactly 50-50. So the class is... 270 students, 135, 135, whatever it was, yeah, 135, 135. So could be that it was supposed to be that way, most likely they, ha- they had a system, 135, 135, it had to be exactly, now 140, 130, that would be unfair, 135, 135. So, some, so it could be the girls would have been done better on the merits than the boys, but they picked 135, 135, fine. So I'd speak to girls, you know, I was the rabbi in town. Actually, let me back up, this is an unbelievable story, let me just tell you an unbelievable story, before I to pen. I'm going today to the Bank of the West to make a deposit. It's a true story. I can't even put this on, on, on a quarter. I'm going to the to Bank of the West. I'm making a deposit. And I'm doing it. Two girls come up to me looking uh, funky, to say the least. You know, nose ring, like not, uh, not like a basic of girls. And they didn't look particularly Yiddish. Uh, so they start talking about their girlfriend who went off it to live with a gentleman who ended up being abusive and how terrible it is. And they were talking to these girls in their 20s. So same like I said. And then they get to a conversation. I'm waiting for my ATM is all within three minutes. Then they get to a conversation like, yeah, and that's why you have to live with someone for a long time before you're married. So, you know, I always think, you know, God puts me next to people. I can't just let them get away with this. They're young people that can ruin their lives. So I say to them, you know, I don't think that's a really good idea. I said to them, you know, really happy marriage is not just about, you can live with, it's not about living with people, it's about commitment, it's about being a good person, being healthy. And I got into a conversation with them. So I think they, they were like amazed. Like they stopped and they got in this conversation with me. They say, Are you married? I said, Yeah, I'm married. I have a few kids, eight kids. Like, eight kids? Like, whoa! Like, they, 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 they couldn't believe it. So I said, You know, but I'm a religious Jew, so I don't, I don't know how much you know about Judaism. So we're, they said to me, We're Jewish. Now I'm telling you, Sarah, Sarah Imenu and Rivka would look at them and say, these are lost Jewish girls. Okay? Uh, although they had nose rings like they did in the time of the Bible. <laughs> but they were they're in the, very sweet girls. Very nice girls. One may not, they're actually cousins. One was adopted by a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father, so I'm not sure if she's halakhly Jewish. The other one was for sure halakhly Jewish. What, am I, what was my point of I get into this conversation with them. They were actually booked in five, ten minutes. I gave them my card. One girl lives in San Jose. Her cousin's here for Thanksgiving. Visiting from Boston. Fine. 
they live in a certain paradigm of what marriage is, what relationships are. And you know, by the way, an, an increasingly Western world is failed system, right? You know, it, you look at the statistics of divorce, of marital happiness, of families, uh, nuclear families, being kids being raised in two home, two parent homes, which are stable families, way down the past 40, 50 years, way down. And people are not any happier for it. And the, kid, the kids are not happier for it. You can look at study after study. Which kids do best in school? Which kids have less emotional problems? Right? Two parents raising a kid. Right? That's, that's, that's that. You don't need to be a religious Jew to realize that. So you had this conversation. And they were like blown away. Like, but you know what? I'm coming from the outside. And they're not hearing this in their world at all. Right? And it, it, it doesn't exist in their world. Like, they meet boys in pubs. Friday nights, the girlfriends are doing that. You know, I, 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 don't know, I, I can tell you, I've counseled many girls who are not observant. And these relationships very often are more than dead ends, they're dangerous at times, okay? They are, like, they're really bad things to happen. Fine. So I get in this conversation with them. It ends up really positive. Let's see if they contact me or not. My point is, is that you can live in a world, and this is reality. So being in law school, here's the case. Girls tell me, yeah. They want to get married. So I said to them, you know, you're going in an Ivy Law School, you're planning to work for Sullivan Cromwell, for Cravath. These are top 20 law firms in America, which the hours of these firms are 16-hour days, okay? The billable hours are 3,000 hours a year, okay? So you're talking about, like, crazy, I mean, you know, Wachtel's over 3,000, some are 2,500 hours, billable. That doesn't mean that's not in the job. That means you can put the, the clock on that you're billing, not when you're having your coffee, and not when you're traveling, okay? So I said to them, like, can I ask you a question? When do you plan to get married? You know, like, oh, eventually. I remember one girl actually got engaged in my third year. So I said, oh, wow, you plan to have kids? She said, I'm not going to have time to get, I plan to get dogs, she tells me. Dogs. <laughs> like, she thought I'd be impressed with that answer. I'm like, so let me then, let me then jump into where else I did in law school. So I taught for Aisha Torah. I've said this story before. I taught for Aisha Torah in Philadelphia for a few months. I had this program in law school, which I did, which became Maimonides, and I taught for Aisha Torah in, in the mainline. Aisha Torah in the mainline in Philadelphia would cater to ladies and to men who grew up reform, considered in Philadelphia, dozens if not hundreds of Jews became Orthodox who were ex-conservative Jews. Many of them conservative. The conservative movement in the East Coast has collapsed. A lot, a lot of these people became Orthodox. So in Philadelphia, you can go to Philadelphia see in the, in the, hundreds of uh, the past 20 years of ex-conservative Jews. So what would happen? You have these single ladies coming into Asia Torah. They were, they were, they were in, there are no venture capitalists in Philadelphia, but they're investment bankers. They were CPAs. They were working for Comcast, which is based in Philadelphia. They were living downtown. They would come to the suburbs, right? They're 37 years old see families. They'd sit with a family on a Shabbos. I'm telling you, and the minute they would get into anything, they would start to panic to get married. Because when they're living in downtown Philadelphia, they don't think about marriage, even though their body's ticking. Right? They don't think about children or stability or husband. But when they see it, it blows them away. And like these, all of a sudden, they're like half from and they're rushing to get married, rushing to have kids. Because they're, it's almost too late for these ladies. And they've been sold, what they themselves will tell you, looking back, a pack of stupidity. 
right? They, they would love to have been married at 25, but it wasn't even in their mind frame because nothing around them told them that message. You know what they're told to go to an Ivy League school? The only way a woman can be successful is career. And nothing wrong with career. My wife, for example, my wife was married by age 20. She grew up in a Beisako where marriage was the most important thing. Her mother is a professor and also got married, had multiple kids, is a professor at NYU. But you know what? The professor at NYU waited until her kids were raised. Right? But if you're told that the only way you're going to be successful is having a career, then you can sacrifice a lot for that. You can give up your family. You can give up your values. You can give up your religion. <laughs> you can give up God. Right? So you need to make sure you're on the right path. And my point to bring that story of law school is people buy into things because their surroundings tell them that this is what's good for them. Right? You're so, everyone around you is doing it. This is what it has to be. Right? They're drachim in life. A person has to be introspective. And it could be, by the way, for some girls, law school is the right thing. It's not a black and white reality. But for many, it's not. Right? You need to know what's good for you. What works for you. What are you supposed to be doing in this world? And the only way a person is going to have it is by being introspective and being brutally honest about themselves. What they could and should be doing. So you got to look over not only your deeds, but your general worldviews. Right? Your general Weltanschauungs. Because if you don't, like whether it's the lady who took a diet they should not have done and damaged their body permanently, or the person who picked a lifestyle which was not conducive for the things they ultimately wanted in life, or the parent, you know, person picks never to hit their kid. Now that's a good thing to do in general, but you know, there could be something you have to hit your kid. If you pick that as, a, as a, a, an end-all and be-all, you may end up damaging your kid, right? You may have a philosophy in life to do something or not to do something, which may or may not work out for you too well, right? Better t- double-check on that philosophy in life. Right? A person needs to be introspective. Not just, you know, I read in a magazine one time that this works. Well, guess what? Maybe it doesn't work, you know? That <laughs> you read in magazines work, right? So a person has to look over themselves how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? Could I be doing better? Look into, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? What Hashem wants me to do? Is I'm, or am, I, am I doing things, you know, because, you know, I'm a, my parents are Holocausters, or my, I'm, a, I'm a child of the 60s, or, you know, my father was this way, my mother was this way. I, why are you doing these things? Is that because you were born in that generation, or because that's the right thing for you to do, Right? <laughs> A person has to pick over, look over not only their deeds, but their past as well. Uh, are they good or not? Last, you leave your soul to the, to the danger of destruction. Right? Life is short. Life is short. <laughs> right? Hey, life. <laughs> life. You, you live once. You, you, it's make or break. Hey, I actually know somebody. I had a conversation with this. They're a perfectionist. Uh, I'm a slight perfectionist, but I, I, I you know, but I, you know, and I can tell you sometimes I've had to pull back. But when a perfectionist, when they're when they're when they're miserable, or they're nervous or edgy, that's terrible. Yeah, that means you're not enjoying life. You're not. In fact, you, it's very often counterproductive to what needs to be done. Right? You could hurt your marriage, you can hurt your children, you can hurt yourself, you can hurt your company. Right? You can hurt your simcha your joy in life. Right? All 
by, by being blinded to what really one could, and, and by the way, a person believes they're right because they're a perfectionist. I'm, I'm, what's wrong? You know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> you can literally damage yourself and damage your spirituality in this process. God forbid. Don't just go in this path. You know, I would tell you these two, these two girls don't know me today. They are on a path, which is the way, you know, young millennial girls who are secular are growing up, which is not going to lead them most likely to success in this world. You know, the, the chance of them, forgetting theology right now, forgetting God, which I would say, if you're Jewish, God put you in this world for a reason, Right? Uh, Hashem put us all in this world for a reason. He didn't just, you know, there's a, there's, yesh, 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 there's, a, there's a God in the world. There's a purpose of the world. Forget that. You know, if a, these girls, when they're talking about, they, 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 when they're talking about marriage, like, they have to live with him, you this, you meet them, like, you know, I said to, you know, I said to them, you know, why don't you look a little bit to Jews? I said, yeah, yeah, this is great. So, you know, before you're married, now, you know, they'll marry Gentiles and it'll be all over. Right? The, the chances right now, today, they're going to marry Gentiles. I mean, what's the chance if you're secular, Living in, in San Jose, even marrying a Jew. If you're not keeping any mitzvahs, what do you think the chances are? Very low. You know, you can buy a lottery ticket. I mean, that's not that bad, but it's really bad, right? And and, and, and rightly so. I mean, you're, we're we're less than two percent of the population, right? <laughs> if Judaism is not that important to you, it, it just it doesn't really affect your day in day life. Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> you know, if that's just the reality of the world we live in today. So, yeah, I said like, if, but they're on a path. Which is going to be counterproductive, and I can even get increase that. Like you'll miss your point in life, right? You, these go, and they're, they're living like drinking Starbucks and listening to uh, what's it, what's uh, you know Kenya Bieber, you know, bouncing at some rock star, bouncing their heads around, imagining life is good, and they're they're great. They they you know they know what's best, right? You could you could a person could buy, and you know what? You know the crazy thing is. You never, because everyone's in their bubble. Like I remember, I once had a conversation. I was in law school with a Jewish guy. I saw like you know, did you ever, you know, this is a boy who grew up conservative. He's one of the few kids who grew up conservative. Most of them grew up reformer or nothing. So I said to him, like, what are you doing Friday night? He's going out to the, with the fraternity. I said, let me ask you a question. Is that what God wants? <laughs> I said, you believe in God, right? Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Is that what God wants? Now, I knew this person very well. I used to study with him. Hey, is that what God wants? Like, no answer. I said to him, so I said, do you believe in God? And he says, yeah. So I said, well, why, well, well, well you, do you believe you're in the world for a purpose? You know, so is that what God wants? So he, like, he says to me, so he says, let me ask you a question. So the guy tells me. There are many, many smart professors in this college, university. Most of my professors went to Yale or Harvard. Why are they thinking like this? Right. Why are they thinking this way? How come they're not asking what God wants? So I said to him, most of them never thought about it, God, about God, period. And I can tell you, because I dealt with many of the professors, they never thought about God. You'd ask them questions, it's just like never, like, what are you doing this world for? You know, or, or very, the same professor who, who could have told you contract law like this had superficial, shallow answers. They never thought about it. it just, it's not in their galaxy. So, Look at us in this room. We're all very, very lucky people. When we say, when we wake up in the morning, we should feel, we should feel blessed. We, we have 
Hashem's Torah, we have a purpose, we have the purpose in this world, right? But all of us, we could be caught up in lifestyles which are counterproductive, myself included. You know, all of us, you know, it's possible that we're doing things, whether they're habits, whether they're viewpoints, whether they're tendencies, whether they're based on our, our even our nature, which means even our inc- our inclinations, or by nature sad, or by nature edgy, or by nature lazy, or by nature uptight, right? And not working on it and saying, oh, that's who I am. That's who I am. And it can be counterproductive. And the danger of going out and not thinking about what we could and should be doing is that a person is like a blind person in the dark. And you'll, you'll end up going to the wrong places in this world and in life. And our intelligence is absolute. Since God gives us such an unbelievable brain, such intelligence, to, to be able to save ourselves, to destroy our soul. Which means it's the spiritual world. Spirituality. Mrs. Stolen, spirituality. Can I ask you a question? Can I pick on you today? In Russia, when you were in 1970, you're not that old, but imagine you were around in 1970, right? Spirituality in Russia? Yeah. Ballet and opera. Huh? Ballet and opera. That was a spirituality. Did you think about that? Is there a God in, in that spirituality? So, do, so, you th- so you thought the purpose of life was. Sweet generation never mentioned God. Never it's mentioned God. Years and this, and the, in uh, country. So, so when you thought Bella and Apple, what you thought like, this is what life is about, right? Can you imagine? Huh? Yeah, you agree? Bella and Apple off you also. Yeah, and theater and the theater. Some kind of books. And Not ice hockey. No ice. A little bit, but it wasn't considered like a culture. It's just, just a Russian game. Yeah. Poems. Yeah. Ah, Pushkin. Who? Pushkin. Pushkin. What's Pushkin? <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, a Pushkin. Pushkin? No, it's a... I forgot. What's Pushkin? It's like God in Russia. It's still God. What is it? It's a very famous poet. Uh, like 80s. Pushkin? He practically, he practically created this perfect Russian language. More than start with Pushkin. More than Tolstoy, this is after. 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 Uh-huh. After. After. I hear. So, so here's the thing. When you if you're in Russia in nineteen seventy, you're looking at life, most people would have been, oh, ballet and theater and Pushkin. Of course Pushkin, who could forget Pushkin? Right? Who could forget Bozhkin, right? This is life, right? This is life. And guess what? It's not life. <laughs> guess what if you're in North Korea today? You know, like you look at North Korea when, when, when the guy walks by, you know, you know, you want to live life in North Korea. I might hate to live in North Korea. I don't know if I probably, I, I probably would. I wonder if you're freer in Syria than North Korea. North Korea is, you have no brain. In Syria, you may be physical danger. North Korea, you have no brain. You're like lobotomized. You have no ability to think for yourself over there. It's, everything's propaganda. There's, there's zero, there's no freedom of the press, no freedom of thought, and there's zero results. And in fact, anything you do, you can end up in these camps where you all, they kill you over there, right? 
You know, so but if you're there, like, you think that people are thinking cocktail. I, I think I want to tell the story. I was on a plane a couple of decades ago, and a Chinese guy, this was when China was opening up, was sitting next to me, and he spoke English. And he was asking what I was doing, and I, and I said, well, I'm, you know, uh, and he mentioned to me about God, and he said, what's God? So I thought he was joking at first. So he said, what's God? Right? So I said, you know, creator of the universe. What's that? Like, so God, God, and, and it was clear to me. He didn't, he didn't even thinking about it. He didn't even heard of a concept of God. <laughs> now today that wouldn't be the case. This is a, a while back. It, it means sometimes like, like so I said, how does a person like this? Where do you think you came from? You know, like, he never, he never. It's not like he even had evolutionary theory and knew anything about that either. You know, you're just living through life. You know, it, it's very possible for all of us to end up living through life and make tragic, tragic errors. And for us who are fortunate, you could still do that. You know, it could be that in our marriages, in our jobs, in our personal demeanor, and Veltanchang, and relationship to God, and Yiddishkeit, and relationship to relatives, you know, there could be many things which are off, which if we don't look at ourselves very, very carefully... People make terrible mistakes. I was in I was in LA Sunday and Monday, and so on Monday, so it was over rabbinic conference at the RCC, the the rabbinic council of California, and on Monday they showed this this movie about divorce and and, and families, what the impact of divorce is. I mean, they were interviewing people. It was really powerful stuff, and how much community support, what it means to be divorced, you know the. The, the custody battles. I mean, and I've been in family court, but when you, you know, as much as you see it, it's it's you realize the stress, like you know. And then I had a three-hour workshop on Shalom Bias. Great. So this this doctor from Doctor Simple Foreman from New York was you know telling about he was describing like many of the cases he had, and like they're normal, healthy, mentally healthy people, but they pick they have either personality, strong personalities, either way. Or they have lifestyle lifestyle decisions, and it really impacts their marriages. Right? And he's talking like how you have to like, try to to, to uh, uh, you know obviously we're not rabbis are not therapists by practice, but either to get people to therapy or to help within reason. But you know at the end of the day, it, a lot of good people, meaning well, you know, could make terrible mistakes in marriage. Really, really damaging mistakes in marriage. Really, really stressful mistakes. Right? You know, it could be how they communicate in marriage, and that's how they communicate. And they don't—they're not able to break out of that shell. Don't communicate in that way. Right? Don't. That's not how you communicate. But that's what you're used to. And you have to be able to look into yourself. Is this good communication? Right? You could. You could. If you don't do that, you could be. Either damaging or dampering. You know what dampering is? Right? Taking away from the potential of it. So we need to look into ourselves. What works and what doesn't work? What's better? And if we don't, we're blind. We're walking like off a plank at some level of what we could and should be doing. Right? And certainly can hurt, especially. If a person has the ability to use their brains and be successful and they don't, right? How could a person not? There's nothing more lunacy than this. 
a person who could edify and refine and better themselves, and of course when we do it to ourselves, we help the people around us, and doesn't, is pachas, it's worse than an animal, because you know what an animal does? An animal that wallows, could they, do they have free will? Could they be too better? No way! You know, no way, no way! I, I, anyone, I, I, like, listen, I, I've dealt with, unfortunately, people who are addicted to pornography, and drugs, and all kinds of vices, like you look at them, like, you know, like, what are you doing to yourself? What are you doing to your loved ones? What are you doing to your job? Like, uh, you know, like, and you, you know, you at some level, okay, they're good people and they're struggling. I'm not taking away from that. But the, the, the damage you're doing to yourself, you're worse than an animal. An animal can't choose not to do that. They're almost programmed that way. We have the ability to do better. So let's say we're not on drugs, are not doing terrible vices, but we're, 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 we're living a lifestyle which is counterproductive. You know what it means? When I, see, uh, when I see a Jewish kid with tattoos, I say, what an abach. What an abach. Tattoos? I know, and as a little kid, I'm not that old, by the way. You may look at me as ancient. <laughs> old, right? Tattoos? I didn't see anyone with tattoos. I saw, like, you saw soldiers, you know, sailors, you know, bike guys with Harleys. Today, people have tattoos. It's common, you know, in, in, in many circles. You know what tattoos is? It's a debasement of the human body. That, that it, it, you don't have. There's no spirituality. There's no holiness. Now they, they don't realize that. <laughs> Not at all, right? That's because the societal. Just like just like clothing today, you know, has went woo. Ladies' garments, woo, way down. We're much more provocative, much more shy. It's going. It gets worse. Not by the year, but by the month, right? You know, because the, and the, and there's no idea of of kedusha, of holiness anymore, of sanctity. Right? It's all of the of physicality and how provocative, how vulgar, what you can show off. So, when you see a person with a tattoo, you, so you, you you're not most people get tattoos. Don't think about that at all. Right? They think this looks good, right? Nothing wrong, right? Now, <laughs> when I see that, I say, "Wow, this person doesn't realize that their body is holy." The Torah says a human body is holy, right? It is is holy that you don't tattoo a body. You wouldn't if something's expensive and valuable. You don't just, you know, if I was somebody, was to, if my kids come and color my wall in my house, I get upset. Now, the little kids. You know, that's why I get, by the way, erasable markers, erasable crayons. I learned the hard way <laughs> that you can't control them all the time. But you think it makes you feel good when I see someone color my wall? Not at all. Why do I buy the bar? Because it's not, it's not you're taking away from it. God, you, the Torah says you can't tattoo your body. You're a holy person. So what, how does that happen? They have no clue. They have no clue. When, he, when, when any of us walk around depressed, what is that? How in the world are you depressed? You have a, you're a billionaire. He said, the diamond chakras, you're a billionaire. He ain't kosher, you're a billionaire. He said, Hashem's name, you're a billionaire. What are you depressed about? What are you angry about? You're a billionaire. So what is, what is it? It's a, wrong, it's a wrong thought process. Right? And you can fix your thought process. Believe it or not, you can fix that. Right? What are you, crazy for not working on that? Are you crazy for not trying to fix that? I, I, why aren't you working on this? If you're in marriage, your children, you know, you're davening. There are people who come to davening for their whole lives. They daven mediocre. Somebody tells you they don't speak Hebrew. So learn Hebrew. What are you waiting for? You have a language 
if you could, if you have a language that speaks to God, learn Hebrew. You're a smart person. If I, you know, person wants to become an American citizen, you got to learn English. And that's the way it should be, by the way. <laughs> you want to be part of the country? You got to learn the language of the land. Well, you want to be a good Jew? You got to learn Hebrew. Ah, oh, you don't know Hebrew today. Okay, you'll get there. But don't, 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 don't make a decision. Out for the rest of my life, I'm going to read, it, you know, Davin with an English in the sitter. That's your Davin next fifty years of your lives. You're forty-five years old. You're fifty years old. You have a good head. What do you, why don't you learn the right how to Davin correctly? All right, push yourself. But a person says, Nah, this is who I am. So I can't. I'm a Baal Tshuva. Oh, what does that mean? And say, you know, if I didn't have opportunity until, until now, what does that mean? So do it now. So a person who can do better and doesn't is a fool. They're worse than an animal. And an animal has certainly. And uh, animals, if something is damaging or scary or bad for them, they'll leave it. Well, if there's a lifestyle which is bad for us spiritually, bad for us emotionally, which makes us less productive, right? we need to contemplate and cogitate how to get away from that. How you could do better. You know, it's actually, when I was listening to this person about marriage, I'm like, I didn't learn that much. Most, I didn't learn that much, personally. But, you know, you, it just reminds you things, you know, like, people, go, they, they get the same argumentative states, you know, the same things, you, you know, he mentioned, if you look at people who fight, the same trigger points, year one, usually year 20. Just a different application of the same trigger point. You know, whether it's money, same fights 20 years later about money. <laughs> whether that's one's clean, one's, one's, one's uh, neat and one's messy, one, one's to relax and one's more uptight, one's insubstantiated, one actually. The same, the same stupid things for 20 years. What's your problem? We fight for the same 20 years. Learn how to deal with it. Either change yourself or learn how to deal with it. Don't, how is it possible that you're fighting the same thing for 20 years? You know, you know what's challenging? New things are challenging. The same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again means you're crazy because you can't fix your problem. It's not, like, it's not like a sneak attack over here. Learn how to... Listen, money. Some people need communication skills. I personally, in my mind, many of the issues that I get are communication skills. Different frequencies. All right, so those frequencies are there constantly. It's okay. you got to figure out how you get the frequency. Don't come to me every three weeks with the same frequency issue because every time, oh, yeah, I really mean you're right. I'm right, okay, figure it out. You know, I'm not in your house. I, you know, I have different frequencies as my wife. I learn how to deal with it. She doesn't deal with me. She's better than I am than I am with, with her. But you know, but you deal with it. You learn the frequency of someone else. To go around and fighting about the same thing over and 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 over, and over again. You know, every three weeks, you find out the same stupid things that you did about twelve years ago. You know, don't, don't do that. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. Quite frankly, right? Learn how to. You, you need to. Leave that paradigm and figure out how to deal with frequencies. You know, same thing with children. You know, you have to learn a to accept children if they who they are, and b how to make the best situation. Most of life is not fixing problems, not problem solving. It's dealing with them, <laughs> right? There's some things you just can't fix. <laughs> yeah, there's some things you just can't fix. You got to deal with them. So, but if you're constantly sad or mad or glad, you know, why don't you fix this? Why, fix it. Fix yourself. Learn how to deal with it. Learn how to cope with it. Don't go for the rest of your life. It's crazy. That's insane. You agree, Mrs. Fagan? You're with me. Two thumbs up. Okay. Um, 
the animals escape from things which are negative. We don't, if we don't do that, we're, even, we're just as bad. And therefore, says the Ramchal, a person who walks in their world, not, right? Now we all go look for ourselves in their world, Olamo, in our personal worlds, because guess what? We all have different struggles and challenges and family lives and personal lives, right? But a person who goes around, because some people are good parrots. A parrot does, they mimic people. And that's not a good idea either. Now, if you're going to mimic, mimic successful people, that's, a, you know, that's not as bad. If you mimic not successful people, right, then you're in bad shape. But some people are good parrots. They mimic people. But you're not going to live your own personal world if you're following other people. Right? You need to be able to have your own personal balance for success, for thriving under your circumstances. You know, under who you are or what you're doing, and how that's a person's, you know, uh, uh, you know, will, will be will be successful. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you something I asked you recently about going to movies. Now, I'm gonna tell you secrets. I don't, I don't go to movies. Um, doesn't bother me. In fact, I don't have the time for it. So, person, this person, you know, said to me, you know, they know that many religious Jews don't go to movies. So I said to them, listen, I just watched a documentary. And I go, movie theater, but I saw that kind of thing. Nothing wrong with movies. So why don't many religious people go to movies? Most movies are very vulgar, lots of sex scenes, lots of violence. Okay, that's not really what a Jewish soul should be saying. <laughs> it's not good for you to watch that stuff. It doesn't put good thoughts into your head. Right? And obviously, if you watch too much of stuff, your brain's not really functioning, it's slowing in the brain, etc. So I said to the person, listen, you need to do, if, you, if, it, if it really bothered this person, Really about this person. I said, don't look at what they're doing in B'nai Brock or they're doing in Yushalayim or in Lake, whatever. You have to know who you are. If it really bothers you, so then movies that it's not eating pig. You know, so you go to a movie which is not violent and not very not very vulgar, and you know that's who you are today. You yourself admit it's not where you want to be in five years. No, fine, but don't fight who you are. Right? So, but imagine this person. I'm not joking, by the way. Imagine this person would not know who they are. They can collapse. They can be miserable. You know, it's like if you don't know who you are or where you are spiritually, you push yourself. To, there's a point of elasticity. There are people who snap. There are people you gotta know who. It's like weightlifting. I always say this, right? How do you grow spiritually? It's you gotta do enough reps in a certain way, and you get there. You go too far, too fast. Anyone weightlift over here? Any weightlifters? Yeah, 150 pound dumbbells. No, right. What do you do? You do what you can handle, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens if you go too too much? What happens then? You get an injury. You get an injury, and you go backwards, mm-hmm. right? So you gotta know yourself. So olamo means you have to know yourself. Now we, it doesn't mean to do things, you know, which are forbidden as a general rule. But if you're not ready for a next spiritual test, where it's not doesn't fit for you, so you gotta know yourself. You have to have self knowledge. Right? But if a person does it, just goes in their world without thinking, in Tova Darko, is his path good or bad? Hine right? Kusuma, you're like a blind person. Like you're a blind person walking on the banks of a river. You ever want a person's blindfolded walking on the banks of a river? It's extraordinarily dangerous. There's a big drop down below. Right, there's rocks over there. You're more likely to, to, to fail. 
this lack of watchfulness comes from internal blindness, right? Not being being locked into your surroundings. So when you're 38 years old, you're a young lady. Forget first learning about Shabbos or kosher. You first think about marriage, which which had you thought about it at age 22, maybe you wouldn't have married to go on it then. A lot of these have kids then. A lot of these get married then, and a lot of these are stay married then. You're 38 years old, it's very hard. Set in your ways. Much harder when you're younger. Much harder. Doesn't mean you can't do both, but it's much harder. Right? And so why are you 38? Because you're living in downtown Philadelphia. And downtown Philadelphia, it's Starbucks heaven. And you're, you're working for Comcast. And you work 12 hours a day. And everyone's telling you, you're great. You're great. You're great. We're going to give you a little plaque. Employee of the month. Wow. Employee of the month. Now you've made it in this world. You're employee of the month. Right? And Barbara Feinberg is doing wonderful. Barbara, she's a star of the firm. Wow. And she's in the Chamber of Commerce. Whoa. Unbelievable. That's great. Nachas. You know, it's, by the way, if you're in law firms, if you, anyone ever, any, no lawyers here, law firms is how they work. They create a culture. And whoever builds the most hours, they're the champions. It's like, you know, like my, my daughter, Chedva, for a while, was doing trip advisor. She, like, we went to Washington, she'd get, like, they give you, like, flags. Like, the more, the more, you know, places that you comment on and you give your opinion, you can become, like, like Yelp, right? You can get a super Yelper. Like, you have hundreds of, uh, uh, of you've given opinions a hundred times. You've made it. You have a huge Yelp list. Like, wow. How much is that covered? You made it. You're, you're a Yelp champion. Well, that's a law firm's work. They make you, they idolize you and you get a chamber of commerce and then your law, your law school can put class of, of 1977 partner chamber of commerce honors and like, this is your world and you're, you're a girl and this is great also because you're living down in Philadelphia and you made it in Comcast, or you're working for uh, Blank Rome, which is a good law firm there, which a lot of kids in my class ended up working for. Great, you made it. Life is good. What could be better? You have two dogs. You go out with your girlfriend Sunday morning, right? You meet a, you have a, you have a boyfriend of a month. Of course, he won't commit because no one in downtown Philadelphia is committing. Maybe one day you'll meet that that one some some guy special. Could be. Right? And maybe if you meet him so special, he'll actually, after seven years of dating, you marry you. And maybe then, after seven years of dating, you marry you. I'll think about having a kid and committing to that. Well, this, is what, this is what goes on there. I mean, obviously, plenty of people doesn't happen to. But, you know, and you wake up one day and say, wow, this Shabbos thing, this is really great. <laughs> wow, this family thing, this is wild. Like, kids, family, you're sitting together. This is, like, tremendous. Where has it been? It's been here all the time. I, you know, you've been just, you were living in a different bubble. <laughs> it's not, it's been, actually, it's been over 3,700 years since, since I'm a Vino. It's not a new thing. It's like a new invention. It didn't just, it's not the newest Twitter phase. This is it. You know, you just have never thinking about it. You know, you thought, you, this was your normal because People Magazine and Cosmopolitan or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal said this is what you have to do. So, this is what you thought. But it's not really the case. We, right? So a person, all of us, it could even be that we doing things which are blindly. And in the religious world, you have this also. There are many things in the religious world which are unbelievable, fantastic. And there could be things, right, 
whatever it is that work for some and not for others. <laughs> so you gotta know what works. Right? You gotta know who you are. Now again, Torah mitzvahs is black and white. Shabbos is Shabbos. Kosher is kosher. Right? Hey, there's things that are black and white, but there are things that are gray, and this may not be for you. You gotta know yourself. You gotta know. You gotta figure out: is this, is this working for me? Is, is this not working for me? Is this is this good as an akub? Kulama chisar hashmir pi arva. The person's natural blindness. Omer ayvarn haritzayni, or sometimes willful blindness. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear what you have to do. It's the right thing. You just don't want to hear it. You're not going to listen to it. I don't want to hear this. You know, I grew up thinking this is fine. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do it. I thought, don't, don't tell me this. Or especially when it involves interpersonal relationships. You know, he's wrong, she's wrong, this. You don't want it. You can't accept it. You can't accept it. It's called cognitive dissonance. Anyone heard of cognitive dissonance? Sure. Right? There's cognitive dissonance. You, it can't be this way. Um... Which is the shutting of one's uh, eyes. You just won't hear it. It's all the same. So a person who neglects to open his eyes can make terrible decisions. And as we'll go along here now, I'll tell you what we have to open our eyes. And if we do open our eyes, it's actually, it's empowering. Right? It's, not, it's empowering. It allows us to achieve the potential that all of us have inside us. Okay, we'll hold here. Have a good night.